When a seasoned sports fan teams up with a millennial, opinions may vary, but the debates assuredly won't disappoint. Check your sources. It's New Report, Old Report. Here's your hosts, John Lund and Al Renato. Yes, indeed. Hello, everyone. I'm John Lund alongside Al Renato, a.k.a. New York sports radio fans know him, the great Al from White Plains. And this is New Report, Old Report, here on Tuesday, October 1st, from 8 to 9 Eastern Time, live on Sports Radio America. If you missed the live show, you can catch the replay all week, also at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, or find the show as bonus content under the Bridge Sports Podcast, which you can find by searching for the Bridge Sports Podcast on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts, as well as at LondonBridge.com. If you want to interact with the show, you can text in a question, comment, or complaint to 929-274-3437, or if you're brave enough, leave a voicemail with the same, and we'll play what you have to say on air again by calling 929-274-3437. This week, the National Football League Week 4. Some teams have separated themselves from the pack to be great or stink. And the MLB postseason is here. Go Yankees. Check your sources. We're off. Now, what would be the odds that that was happening again, that that was a new report? Was that a new report or an old report? That's what I'm asking. Is it a new report or an old report? Is that a new report? Or we don't know. Well, Al, another exciting week in athletics. Sports refuses to disappoint us while we do a sports show, which is nice. And as we say all the time, nobody circles the wagons quite like the National Football League in a week where we can start being more confident in saying how much some teams stink and how much some teams are maybe better than they thought. Some teams continue to be great and others are just eh. But we'll probably start with the teams that stink. Get the fire going a little bit, get our emotions running high to kick off the show. And both our teams, the Baltimore Ravens and Denver Broncos respectively, stunk this past week. Your team, though, has hope. So we'll start there. The Cleveland Browns came to play on Sunday, Al, which is something we've been talking about We weren't sure where they were going to land as far as if this was going to be the start of the destruction of their team, how they would respond to adversity, tough environment in Baltimore. And they came out and did their thing. A a great win for them. And for the Ravens, not the best couple weeks, unfortunately, in the early going here. Well, hello, Johnny, and to all our, uh, our listeners out there. And it was a very, 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 disappointing week for Ravens fans like yours truly because you know a, a relatively solid performance in a tough place to play in Kansas City against a juggernaut offense uh, fell behind made a strong comeback never had the ball down one possession okay you get out of there three and one but at least you competed and your young quarterback brought the team back to put them to respectability in that game and you head into your Building with a huge game against the one and two Browns who've been disappointing. You come in two and one. Lo and behold, for the second week in a row, your defense can't stop a strong wind. Uh, Baker Mayfield plays well. 
The Browns much beleaguered offensive line does a tremendous job running the football. Nick Chubb has the game of his NFL lifetime. And the Ravens get lit up for over eight yards of carry by Nick Chubb. And when they get it back to one score, they get hit with an 88-yard touchdown run on the first play after kickoff. And lo and behold, that game is over, positively over and done with because the Ravens could not, I mean, just abysmal tackling, awful tackling. They made Nick Chubb look like the second coming of Jim Brown slash Leroy Kelly slash look him up kids. And it was really an incredibly disappointing effort because you had an opportunity to go three and one and drop the Browns to one and three. Instead, now you're both at two and two out of football left and you've lost the home game and you've lost the division game. So that was an incredibly disappointing effort by the Ravens because they were manhandled. And what do we always talk about with Baltimore? We talk about the defense and we talk about the special teams and how they travel and the ability to run the football. And we'll see how young Lamar Jackson develops. Well, Lamar Jackson was okay. He wasn't spectacular like he was against the Dolphins or against the Cardinals. And the, the Browns defense, excuse me, did a wonderful job of keeping him in the pocket. They caused a couple turnovers and they controlled the football from a team that runs the football, it was the Browns who run the football. It was the Browns who went up and down the field, who possessed the ball, who kept the Ravens off the field when it's usually just the opposite. When the Ravens like to run the ball down your throat and play time of possession. And they were literally beaten at their own game. They were beaten by the other team's running game and the other team's defense. And the biggest disappointment now for the Ravens has to be the performance of their defense in two consecutive weeks. We know Kansas City is tough to stop. We know they're incredibly difficult to deal with with their weapons, especially in Kansas City, one of the great home fields in the National Football League. But to come home and get dismantled by the Browns in a game in which their superstar wide receiver, Mr. Beckham Jr., did absolutely nothing in terms of an impact on the game. No disrespect to him. They completely shut him down. It was all about Jarvis Landry, his LSU teammate in college, and it was all about Nick Chubb. They were the dominant players in that football game, and they completely outclassed the Ravens in Baltimore, which shocked me. I thought it would be a competitive game, uh, and I thought at the end of the day, the Raven defense would win the day, and that simply was not the case. It simply was not the case. I could not have been more wrong. And, you know, now they've hosted a two and two with obviously 12 games left and many more lines and chapters to be written. I think we can all say that the demise of the young upstart, everybody's favorite Cleveland Browns was greatly exaggerated as they are right back in the hunt in the division of two and two. And as for your team, the Joe Flacco led Denver Broncos, who could easily be two and two. If it weren't for bad luck, they would have no luck at all. And I will turn that narrative over to you, my friend. Yeah, I think we could start playing taps for the Denver Broncos 2019 season at 0-4. Bradley Chubb tore his ACL during the game to further hurt that defense, though he did come out in the second half and continue to play, which is crazy in its own right. But another game 
Another questionable roughing the passer call. Another big completion afterward. Another the defense isn't going to stop these people. Another game-winning field goal, and the record continues to spin. This was a game that I thought they would sneak away with a win, and it would be one of those you don't feel good about wins, though a win is a win in the NFL. Like, should we really be excited about beating the Jaguars and Gardner Minshew at quarterback? We were going to take what we could get, and now you've fallen to 0-4, and you're at the level of the likes of the Dolphins and the Redskins and the two teams that Monday night football is subjecting us to in the Steelers and the Bengals that nobody cares about at 0-3. One will drop to 0-4. But you're trying is the thing. You're trying. Whereas the Dolphins have conceded the season, the Redskins are in absolute shambles. While they're trying, you can't expect much from them, from the coaching staff to the ownership. The Broncos pretended to have hope. And what we've seen is the wheels continue to turn of just how awful uh, Joe Flacco is at quarterback, how awful the quarterback situation has been since one Peyton Manning left. And now we're in the business, it seems, to draft potentially another quarterback to keep this now, train rolling. Let's, let, let's back up for a second here. Joe Flacco had more than a respectable game, and he took his team down the field and threw the winning touchdown pass what you thought should have been the winning touchdown pass. And he did it twice now in those games. Did it two times, including a two-point conversion, to put his team ahead, and then the defense failed. So I think it's a bit unfair to characterize the Broncos as not having a quarterback. The Broncos have got an experienced, professional, world champion, Super Bowl MVP quarterback at the helm. Is he what he was? Of course not. But is he respectable? Absolutely. Don't tell me Joe Flacco is not a more effective quarterback right now than the guy who's taking snaps from Minnesota. And that abortion that took place yesterday, where the wide receivers are all up in arms because they've got a quarterback who can't get them the ball, you know, in one Kirk Cousins. So anytime the Vikings have to throw the football, you can stick a fork in them. They are done. This is a team with a tremendous defense, an excellent running game, a wonderful young running back, receivers, and a quarterback who just cannot get it done. Not in, in, Forget about a big spot. He cannot get it done when they have to throw the ball. If they cannot dominate you with their running game and their defense, then they cannot win. And yesterday they went up against a team with a terrific defense, at least as good as theirs, if not better, and they had to throw the football, and also against a backup quarterback, albeit a backup quarterback is probably better than their starting quarterback, and better than the Vikings' starting quarterback, and as a result... The Vikings were put in a position where they had to throw the football, and they can't do it. Now, on the other hand, when Denver's got to throw the football, they can do it. They went down the field. They scored. They took the lead. Their defense couldn't stop. Denver sh- should be 2-2. Two and two. So let's ease up a little bit, Mr. Bronco fan, on one Joe Flacco. <laughs> now, Am I subjective? Absolutely. But to say that they don't have a legitimate quarterback, I think, is is unfair. Well, it's it's... Plugging the hole in a ship with your finger while it starts to fill up with water elsewhere is Joe Flacco. You're right. He's not the worst thing in the world, and he's he's certainly not the worst quarterback going in the National Football League. I I think for Denver Broncos fans, you look – well, at least you looked at the defense, say, maybe last year or the year before and said, this Von Miller crew, in a sense, might go to waste – because there's not 
really a light at the end of the tunnel. It's, again, just sticking your fingers in the holes and, and hoping that the ship is going to stay above water, which, unfortunately for Joe Flacco, that's kind of how it is. He'll be all right for a couple of years, but it's not going to be the long-term answer as we know, and God right. only knows when the long-term answer will be solved. I will say, however, though, Al, we can celebrate, pop the champagne, the Broncos' defense in game four finally got a sack. Still no turnovers, still no five interceptions, of, no fumbles, them, but we got a sack. We got sacks. But unfortunately, they did lose yeah. their prized right. young defensive lineman. Uh, I believe Chubb went down with an ACL, correct? That's right. He tore it, and he is out for the rest of the season. So there's that. So I think you, you might fear that since the season is over with, to make a, a long story short, you will probably put in Drew Locke at some point and see what he's capable of. You should. You should at least see what you have in what would be Joe Flacco's backup quarterback and what will hope to be the future. So you can head into the draft with that. And they might just start parting ways with people like Von Miller, like Emmanuel Sanders, and just start getting rid of guys and trying to look ahead for the next three to four years, which is also going to be another blow. Emmanuel Sanders... By the way, folks, is still a tremendous player. He is a wonderful wide receiver. The catches he makes, of course, the former Pittsburgh Steeler, uh, where they just breed wide receivers. He is a terrific player. He finds ways to get open in big spots. He is their biggest offensive weapon, uh, not physically, but literally. And in a big spot, he is a, a wonderful go-to guy. He has great footwork. Uh, in the back of the end zone, along the sidelines. He has wonderful hands. He's still very good in the open field. And yesterday, again, it was Emmanuel Sanders in big spots who got it done. And uh, unfortunately, uh, the defense could not hold the upstart Jacksonville Jaguars and their young rookie quarterback at bay after a couple opportunities to sack him or potential turnovers and then the roughing the passer. And lo and behold, there they are losing the uh, for the second time on the last play of the game, a field goal in their building to split the uprights. Yep. Another awful loss, awful game. But when the season ends early, sometimes it's a little bit of a relief because you could focus on different things. I think what's interesting about this year in particular, we've reached double digits now with teams that have a quarterback that they didn't plan on having as their quarterback when the season started whether that's from unexpected retirements, whether that's from injury, whether that's from poor performance, the quarterback carousel has, has spun around more times than not in 2019 than we've seen in a very long time. Shockingly. And it, Shockingly. It's, really, it really is amazing. It's still the point of it's amazing how many teams there are that can win because of their quarterback or can win in spite of their quarterback and switch to teams that lose because of their quarterback and teams that lose in spite of their quarterback and how big of a jump it can be just based on the quarterback position. Cause some of the quarterbacks in the national football league stink Al, stink. And I know some are backups and I know some aren't the main go-to guys, but it always has amazed me that a position that, most football players grow up at least wanting to play. 
most love going into the backyard, taking the football. The clock's winding down. We're throwing the touchdown pass to win the Super Bowl. There's only 32 of these spots. And you can't find 32 quarterbacks. And then you have, with that all said and done, the curious case of the most confounding football game of the day. You have a Tampa team who lost as gut-wrenching a game as you could possibly lose last week at home to the Giants, their first win behind a rookie quarterback and a miracle comeback. And despite the miracle comeback, Tampa goes down the field in position to win the game, ball in the middle of the field, and their kicker misses a 34-yard field goal, five yards longer than it should have been because their coach says, well, he likes to kick from a little further out. Extra point distance, two of which he'd already missed. That team now goes on the road to play the undefeated Los Angeles Rams with Jameis Winston, who many of us think won't be even, even be in the league next year, fighting to keep his job. And lo and behold, what happens against supposedly the terrific Ram defense? A double nickel. Yes, some turnovers. Yes, some defensive touchdowns. But the Tampa Bay Bucks absolutely throttle the Los Angeles Rams in Los Angeles behind four touchdown passes by one Jameis Winston. So just when you think you figured it out, as you said, this particular quarterback or quarterbacks stink, you have Jameis Winston go do that. So you figure out what's going on in the National Football League because I sure as hell cannot. And you have Marcus Mariota go out, throw for three touchdowns, throw up two big middle fingers to everybody that said he was another quarterback done, and he beats the Falcons 24-10. It was, it's incredible, and it's the mantra in, of... In, in, in Atlanta. In Atlanta. In Atlanta. Matty Ice, 10 points. 10 points. And it, somebody, somebody help me figure this picture out. Can't do it. And it's the mantra of, well, the teams that are fighting for their season lives, in a sense, the one and two teams... The, the hungry dog runs faster, all of those mantras. But you still think to yourself, I mean, it's the National Football League. It doesn't matter how hungry you are as a dog. You're still going up against other professionals. And if you're a crappy quarterback or a crappy team, you're still going to lose. Well, this past week, you mean, that you laughed mean, in our you face. Mean like, you mean like the Raiders? That crappy team? Laughed in our face. Who, who goes into Indianapolis, all right, who is off to a very good start? After pulling, you know, hanging on last week at home, and they go into Indianapolis and they kick the Colts' ass. You mean those Raiders that stink with a quarterback who's on his last legs and won't be going to Vegas? Okay, wrong again. Wrong again. Is it conceivable that I could pick every game? Next week I might pick every game to see if I can get every game wrong. I think that's going to be my goal. Can I get? Can I go completely off the just? off the face of the earth, and go, oh, and whatever. Because this week, folks, I was 0-3. I picked three favorites. And those three favorites not only didn't cover, they didn't even win. They didn't even win. Josh Allen stinks. He's a touchdown away from taking down Tom Brady. Somebody slips and fumbles the ball by accident, and the defense returns it for a touchdown. They win the football game, 16-10. And he looked horrendous. They were a touchdown away from taking down the mighty Tom, for whatever reason, in quotation marks, terrific, even though no one's ever called him that, and I'm not sure why that nickname sticks. This past week, like you said, 
you could have went down to Vegas and lost absolutely everything that you own. Teddy Bridgewater, who at some point during the Sunday night football game looked like somebody came down to the field and spun his helmet around 180 degrees so he was looking at the back of it, scrambling around through defenders, taking sacks, looking all wobbly around the field. Where are you going? Like he was drowning in a pool of water. Beats the Cowboys 12-10. Dak, Zeke, Cooper. They don't score a touchdown. The field goal kicker beat the Cowboys out. And they beat the Cowboys. They beat the juggernaut Cowboys with their young quarterback who was the $35 million man with their tremendous running back who have been world beaters. 10 points. 10 points. It's a New Orleans team that, you know, we, we said, what can they possibly do without Drew Brees? Well, what did they do? They, went to, they go to Seattle and win. They come home against, uh, they come home against the Cowboys who are flying high. Hold the 10 points. Can't figure it out. Can't figure it out. It, it's just... I, so far, other than the usual of the Patriots 4-0 and the Chiefs 4-0, this league is on its ear. Plain and simple. Nothing is happening the way it's supposed to be happening. Will it continue? Will the quarterback carousel continue between injuries as you said earlier and poor performances at such an early stage of the season where we're losing these quarterbacks or where they're being benched or where they come out of nowhere and suddenly they're performing well again it's just everywhere you look it's bass backwards it's upside down and after the life we can't figure out what's going on let's take a quick break to pay the bills He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. All of the AFC South is two and two. All of it. So there's no way to be confident in who you think is going to come out of that pack alive. In your Ravens division, a battle with the Browns. Kind of like we expected, but it hasn't gone how we thought it might have gone through week four. We thought the NFC East was going to be a cakewalk. Now we got two teams at two and two biting at the Cowboys' heels. Everybody in the NFC North, well, except for the Vikings, has a shot. The Saints, which we talked about, needing to survive this Drew Brees injury with Teddy Bridgewater at quarterback, have done shape. it. Yeah, they're fine. Now in great shape. They, they beat, they've gone on the road beating Seattle. They've come home and beat Dallas. Now the schedule gets easier. Gets much easier. Where their defense and their weapons and their running game can carry them. And they don't have to worry about Teddy. Not, not that Teddy Bridgewater has carried them. Obviously, 10 points. 12 points, excuse me, four field goals. They found a way to win. How they hold Dallas to 10 points to me is confounding. Yes, a couple turnovers, a couple bad turnovers. You know, Witten, fumble, midfield. Uh, you know, your hot shot running back, big fumble. But a, a very, very mediocre performance by the young quarterback. Very mediocre. Part not, of- the Dak Prescott, not the Dak Prescott everybody's been raving about first couple of games of the season. Yeah. Not the guy, not the guy who ripped the Giants to shreds. 
Not the guy who said, wow, this is Dak Prescott's made great progress. progress. Well, you know, again, it's the overreaction Monday that is the National Football League. No, let's step back and wait. No, let's be a little patient. No, let's take into account who they played, i.e. Ravens against the Dolphins. Let's take a longer look and be a little thoughtful and a little patient and see if what we're seeing is real or if what we're seeing is temporary greatness because you're playing a hideous football team or such a mediocre football team that you can't help but be great because you have so many weapons and so many more opportunities to make plays because of the superiority of your team versus what you're playing, which is what we see pretty much every weekend with whoever is playing the Miami Dolphins because they are playing like nothing remotely resembling a competitive National Football League franchise. And quite frankly, I'm starting to think that the Washington Redskins are not far behind because they look like they're in a complete state of disarray. They look like their coach has no idea what he wants to do and doesn't even want to be there. They literally look like they're packed in the season. The Redskins are more than ever the Deadskins. And it is just a mess if you're a Washington fan, just as it's been if you're a Miami Dolphin fan at the start of the season. But now I, I watch the Redskins, and I, only, I, I cannot watch them for long because they are literally an unbearable football team to watch. They're like watching paint dry. Between what are they going to do with their, with their veteran quarterback? They're going to go with their young quarterback, who clearly is not ready. And this coach, to me, has always seemed close. In the, pre- in the post-game press conferences, when I listen to him, it sounds like he doesn't know what he's talking about. Just, just do yourself, get yourself fired and get on your brother's staff and get to Vegas. Because I, I don't think he's anything remotely resembling a head football coach in the National Football League. It's been bad because they're actually trying. Well, they're supposed to be trying. Unlike the Dolphins, who are in full tank mode, fans are seemingly behind it. All right, we'll do this one year of pain and suffering, and hopefully it will pay off. The Redskins weren't supposed to have pain and suffering, not to say that Case Keenum was going to come in and be the savior of their team. As a Denver Broncos fan, I can tell you that that would be incorrect. I am sure that the Minnesota Vikings would be more than happy to have one Case That's true. That is true. lining up under center next weekend. He'd be cheaper. What they've got lining up under center now. Uh, just go ask Adam Thaler how happy he is. I'll ask that. Go ask that recruit, receiving crew how happy they are with their fifty million dollar man. Stinks. But- he does stink. He stinks with a capital S. I always thought he stunk. I thought he stank, and I think he still stinks. He never won a big game in Washington. He never took him down the field in the big spot. Every time there was an opportunity for a big play in a big spot, he threw a mindless interception. He's continued to do that. He, and he said, if I keep playing like this, I'm not going to be playing quarterback for the Vikings long. He's correct. He's correct. The, it, it's going to end soon. It's going to end soon because you can't keep playing football like that in this league. He only seemingly does well when he's not on national television and people aren't aware of how well he might be doing. But it he was plays, telling. He played the less, less is more. The less he has to throw, the more effective as he is. That's not good when you're a quarterback. Not good. 
Yeah, and it goes back to the teams that win because of their quarterback and the teams that win in spite of your, their quarterback. And we can go back to week one where they had him throw the ball ten times in the most prestigious passing years of the National Football League where anyone can seemingly go out and hit thousands upon thousands of passing yards for a season, shattering records left and right. Pass interference if you blow on somebody wrong. Quarterback penalties if they come in contact with your shoelaces, you're getting a roughing the passer penalty. They have them throw 10 times. That's your Vikings. That's your quarterback. That's the $84 million man. Not great. Not great. And you, you really don't know. The, the confounding thing is, from what we've seen so far, you have no idea what to expect from week to week in this league. There is no exception, Kansas City, exception, New England. There is no rhyme or reason as to what's going on from week to week. And it is throughout the league, wherever you look. Just when you think that Dallas is a juggernaut, they can't put up more than 10 points in New Orleans. The Giants look like they're going to go two and fourteen. They changed quarterbacks. They went two straight to two and two. I think we've got the Redskins figured out. They're headed for two and fourteen. We think the Eagles are in huge trouble. They're going into Green Bay, and they haven't played well. They haven't put up very many points. And Green Bay looks like early on a world beater, playing incredibly well. Defense getting it done. Lo and behold. Yes, Aaron Rodgers goes up and down the field, but for some reason they decide that they're going to throw the ball four times from first and goal from the one. They get another opportunity, slant pass, which I never liked down there uh, on second down because I think there's too many bad things that can happen. Just my opinion. See New England, Seattle on the goal line, but that's exactly what happened. Throws it on the money, through the receiver's hands, up in the air, interception, game over. And lo and behold... The team that we thought was in huge trouble is now back to two and two. And after Dallas has lost only one game back in the division with two games remaining against Dallas. Packers three and one, still looking strong. Lost a tough game at home. Minnesota, who knows? The Bears, defense is strong, playing a backup quarterback, but you know, their backup quarterback may be better than their starting quarterback. And dare we mention the Detroit Lions. Lost a heartbreaker at home because they couldn't hang out on the football down around the goal line, and it was a heartbreaker to the Chiefs. But they are two one and one now. They've got a very tough schedule these next few weeks, so they may be right under 500 again shortly. But the much maligned Lions of Matt Patricia have been very. They, to me, they've been the biggest surprise in the league so far, in that they are uh, two one and one, and they could easily be four zero because they kicked away, of course the Cardinal game in the opener, which they should have won. And yesterday, they, they that could have, they should have won the game. Fumble prone down on the goal line that just killed them. They, they clearly should have won that football game and couldn't stop Patty Mahomes on a fourth down. Uh, of course, nobody could even stop Patty Mahomes on a fourth down. And you go to the South, train wreck, Falcons, stink. You think they're going to compete for the division. Bucks. I guess they stink, but they go into L.A. and they pound the Rams. Carolina, winning without Cam Newton. Winning without Cam Newton. Saints, 
winning without Drew Brees. And then we go west. Well, Seattle, what they always are. Russell Wilson and the Miracles. Having another great game yesterday. But they lose at home to New Orleans. Figure that out. They go pummel, obviously, the hideous Cardinals. And I guess we could say we know what the Cardinals are. We know the Cardinals, along with the Dolphins and the Redskins, are two and fourteen, one and fifteen football teams, and we know what the Patriots are, and we know what the, and we know what the uh, what the Chiefs are. So we got about five, six teams where we literally know what they are. Now, one of those teams to be determined. What is San Francisco off their three and zero start? Big game coming up next week against the Browns. Big game. What are either of these teams? What will happen in this game? You know, will San Francisco go out there before and zero and say, oh, okay, you know? Uh, upstart, are, are they for real? Or do the Browns pummel them? We say, I don't want to see the Niners haven't beaten anybody and they haven't played that well yet. And now they get their asses kicked and here come the Browns. So we'll know a little more about both of those teams coming up in their matchup next week. And then, you know, over in the AFC, we know your squad is 0 4 and fading and may not be much longer before your rookie quarterback takes the helm. The Chargers had a nice bounce back win, they're all banged up but they've been up and down from week to week. Just when we thought the Raiders, like yours truly, would win five games, they're 2-2. Two and two. Of course, the Chiefs, one of the teams you know about, 4-0. South, you mentioned it. Everybody's 2-2. Two two. Where it's going to go, no idea. East, we know who's at the top. The Bills are right there at 3-1. and one. And, of course, we know who's on the bottom. The teams that are always on the bottom. Jets are on the bottom. And the Dolphins would have to reach up by a huge margin to scratch the bottom. That's how low they are. And we've touched on the North with the Browns and my Ravens at two and two. Uh, the Steelers about to go one and three and a hideous Bengal team about to drop to 0 and four, who is also becoming an unwatchable football team. So we really have got about half a dozen teams that we know what we've got. Two of them really, really good and uh, four of them really, 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 really bad. The rest... The, next, the other 26 teams, we are in a complete quadrant because we can't forget what we're watching from one week to the next. 100%. And I would put most of the 26 leaning toward stinks. <laughs> Especially well, if we... Here's something that doesn't stink. Here's, a, here's something that doesn't stink. Something that doesn't stink are 10 teams that have moved on to the second season since we had a bye week we didn't have as many games to talk about as normal, so we can skip into a segue to the postseason in Major League Baseball and 10 teams that are into the second season, including my Redbirds, who won the NL Central on the last day of the season, and your banged-up 100-win New York Yankees. We have to get in one last thing that stinks. Let's let everybody know how the six-pack went this past week. <laughs> uh, you know, if, if this was actual beer, you wouldn't even sniff a buzz. First of all, stink is like the Dolphins. I would have to reach <laughs> up very high above where I am right now to reach the level of stink. Folks, I am 0-5-1, coming off an 0-2-1 start. I figured, all right, I'm going with quality. I'm going with favorites. I'm going with teams that are playing well, looking strong. I go with the Dallas Cowboys on the road. Okay. Yes. A road favorite for playing incredibly well against a team with Teddy Bridgewater, the quarterback, 10 points. Not only can't they cover, they can't even win. The LA Rams, 
minus nine at home against the Buck team who comes to call it, across the country, who lost a gut-wrenching game against the New York football giants. They go in and they kick the Rams' ass. Not only don't I cover the nine, the Rams get their asses kicked. And then, of course, I make the mistake of, thankfully, I didn't, I, I didn't do what I was tempted to do. I said I would never bet on the Falcons, which is what I almost did. Unfortunately, I did. But then, you know, I took, I, I made the mistake of betting on Bill O'Brien. What am I thinking? One of the worst coaches in the National Football League. A game that I thought for sure they would win and cover. They can't even win outright, the Texans. It's just mind-numbing. 0-5-1, three favorites, none of them cover, none of them even win outright. Folks, take the AWP selections, go in the opposite vein, and run like a thief in the night, because picking against me is the mortal lock of the century. <laughs> I literally cannot pick my nose. I could not pick my seat in an empty theater. As we say with this segment, fade accordingly. And I was correct in fading our show, Al. I took the Browns plus seven against your Ravens. Win. I took the Jaguars plus two and a half against my Denver Broncos. Win. Win. I kept up this tradition, though, of picking the Dolphins each week because one of these is going to hit, baby. This week wasn't it. This week was not it. Plus 15, double that. Come on. Comedy Central, as my partner John Tiny Lawn is going to hang on to the fish. He's going to go down with them. He's going to pick them every week. Sooner or later, that spread's going to get to the biggest spread in the history of the National Football League. And maybe, maybe just then, they'll come. Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. But as you mentioned, teams that don't necessarily stink, at least not yet, have reached the MLB postseason. We haven't talked a lot of baseball on this show in the past but it's time. months, but it's time. It's time. We've got wild card excitement. Eh. The public doesn't seem to be that excited about it, but games will happen this week with importance, and that starts Tuesday night, the Milwaukee Brewers against the Washington Nationals. Brewers with an impressive postseason run of late. The Nationals, as we know, always seem to never reach the ceiling that they expect to, so that'll be an exciting game. Rays, A's, not as exciting in the American League, at least not for me. Two teams that Everybody is just eh over. It's it's amazing. It's amazing what those two teams continue to do year in year out in divisions where they are competing as high payroll teams. Obviously, the Rays are competing as the Yankees and the Red Sox with mammoth payrolls, and yet every year they're over five hundred, over ninety wins. No one goes to the ballpark. No one. No. It, it, it's, it's embarrassing. You know, they, they need to get them to Montreal, you know, to call them the X-rays. Because no and this is a this is a, a franchise that drafts incredibly well, that spends whatever they spend as nominal as it is, as nominal as it is wisely. Incredible player development. And 
no matter what, no one goes to their games except the Red Sox and Yankee fans. And yet here they are in the wild card game again against an A's team that once again had another tremendous season. Had it not been for the best team in baseball, they would be a division winner, but they're competing against the Houston Astros with a huge payroll, which is an incredible team. Best team in baseball this year, uh, just out of the Dodgers. And here they are in the wild card game again, a game they never win, playing Tampa in a game they never win. So the question becomes here, something's got to give. Uh, this game is, of course, you know, in Oakland. They have the home field. And they have a huge home field advantage in terms of you know, the way they play there. But who knows with these two teams? Uh, you know, pitching staffs that put up excellent numbers, but you know, last year Cy Young winner, uh, young Mr. Snell, is just coming back you know, from surgery. And how much of a factor he will be in this series, I have no idea, because his innings have been limited since he's coming back. He's throwing two, three innings you know, when he starts. And you've got the A's who have... Uh, you know, just home run power left and right. Uh, a leadoff man who had the season of a lifetime in Marcus Simeon. And I, I believe he tied Reggie Jackson's record for most runs scored by an Oakland A in team history. They've got an all-star third baseman who some call the best in baseball defensively, who's mid-30s in home runs. They've got a first baseman mid-30s in home runs. They've got a center fielder who throws people out from the wall. And they've got starters that nobody knows. But some young live arms, an excellent pen. And until you see more of these teams, and you will see more of one of them, because one of them is going to win this wild card game, and go into a best-of-five series against the Houston Astros, while your mighty Yankees, banged up as they are, will now take on a team that they never, ever, ever lose to. I mean, their record is like 163-6 and six against the Minnesota Twins. They never lose to them in the postseason. My question to you, oh, Yankee fan, the great John Tiny one, are you the least bit concerned with your banged-up pitching staff, some of your banged-up everyday players, as you take on a team that even out-homered you for a new major league record in this regular season. Uh, you have home field advantage in the 3 of 5 series. Do you have any intimations of losing a series against the Minnesota Twins? Terrified, Al. <laughs> to put it bluntly, terrified. I will say I am incredibly excited to not have to be subjected to a wild-card playing game as in years past. There is no worse game that you could be a fan of in baseball, aside from an elimination game, slash aside from a game seven, than the World Series play-in game, because it's one and done. And unfortunately for baseball, while I did like this more growing up, I've grown to not like it as much, the five-game series in the divisional round. Because I think baseball, as you know, is the game of hot and cold. It's not like the NBA where a one plays an eight, please. We know who's going to win that game. It's not like the NFL where a 14-win team plays an eight or nine-win team, and they usually have the upper hand. There's not as many upsets. Baseball, you play two shitty games to open up the series, especially if you have home field advantage. Series is over. 
more often than not. Now, funny enough, we have seen the Yankees go down 2-0 to one Oakland A's back in the very early 2000s, the Jeter flip, etc. I'm not going to bore you people with the remember whens as Yankee fans love to do. But this Twins team can hit the baseball, man. They beat the Yankees in home runs, as, as you mentioned, just by one, and we could play the injury game and blah, blah, blah. They can hit the baseball. And the Yankees pitching staff, starting pitching staff, is in shambles. It's going to be a dear God when it's not Masahiro Tanaka and when it's not, I guess, James Paxton, who has been pitching incredible in his past 10 or 11 starts or so, though he left his last start with a sore ass, literally, was the injury report. They called it a glute, but we know what that is. A little pain in the butt. Those two guys, I guess, and you're, you're going to put James Paxton, the weight of games on his shoulders, who hasn't pitched in the postseason for the Yankees. Luis Severino, just coming back. Still don't know what you're going to get from him, if he'll be ready to go. And we know sometimes in the postseason, he hasn't been grand. And then it's, who the hell are you throwing out? Domingo Herman did has to be one of the worst things possibly you can do. We still don't know what he did, and he can't play the rest of the season. He's gone. Postseason, regular season, gone. How, it, it must be one of the most deplorable things. So you don't have him, and that would have been a question mark. So you're going to try out CC Sabathia and J.A. Happ and hope their arms don't fall off so you can get to the bullpen in the sixth inning and ride that. It's going to be... Sixth inning. Sixth inning. Sixth inning is being generous. Sixth inning. How it's about being the fourth inning? It's going to be when can the pitching staff get to the bullpen the so they can put out the fire. And the depth of their starters in the postseason may be following the footsteps of Craig Council and the Milwaukee Brewers. Give me two. Give me three. And to the pen we go. Now, Milwaukee can't do that anymore for an extended period because they don't have the depth in that bullpen that they had last year because of injuries and uh, guys who are no longer there. But he will try and do it for as long as he's there because, you know, he's, he's, in his, he's in his pen in the fourth inning, fifth inning of every game. The Yankees have the depth to go deep into the pen for repeated nights. Other than, you know, obviously the lefty who's been pitching incredibly well. If he's healthy, I can trust him. And I can trust Tanaka. Other than that, I have no confidence in the Yankee starting staff. But as we know, with their massive amount of arms and money spent in that bullpen, despite the fact that they don't have potentials, you know, Adam Adovino, uh, who I don't love. His numbers are tremendous. I don't love him in a big spot. I just don't. Right? The former closer from the Orioles, who's basically turned into their setup man, uh, the sinker ball specialist, another guy I don't love, although his number's very good. Chapman, to me, is still the most reliable guy in that bullpen. Uh, even though he's a little older, and he's not throwing 103 anymore on a regular basis, I trust Chapman. As a neutral observer, even though their numbers are off the charts, to me, when you are running that many guys out 
regardless of how good they are and how consistent they are, you create greater room for error because you've got great, you're throwing more guys. The more guys you throw, the better the possibility that one of them goes belly up. And in the postseason, it only takes one bad inning. It only takes one bad frame. It only takes one bad performance. And all of a sudden, you've lost home field. And the other team is in control. They're in the driver's seat. Now, I think the Yankees are fine because uh, I like their offense and the depth of their lineup and the versatility and the fact that Judge really seems to be in midseason form, swinging the bat really, really well. Um, but can they win these games without contributions with Glaber Torres or Gary Sanchez? Uh, because what can you expect from Stanton and, you know, his eight games this year? Uh, uh, can you expect the guys who, who plugged in all year? You know, Talkman, all right? Uh, and, and guys like to go out and, and suddenly just be big-time postseason performers the way they played in the regular season where they helped carry this team over 100 wins? I, I can't bank on that. I do think that Judge is right now ready to carry a team. I think he's in a better spot than he's been in uh, all year. He's hitting the ball really well to all fields. He looks healthy, swinging free and easy. And uh, to me, he is the central, focal, most important element of this offense as I see it in the postseason. And I put Torres right behind him. To me, those are the guys. Those are the guys that must perform in this postseason for the Yankees if they want to obviously win series number one against Minnesota and then go on to, look, we all think play Houston, but who knows? Let's hope not. Go A's. Go Rays. Could it be A's? Could it be be Rays? It always could be. But to me, um, in my mind, the biggest lock of this postseason of all teams if I had to pick one, would be the huge. And it, look, it's no secret. I mean, they're loaded offensively. They've got the best two pitchers in the American League, which in my mind, if I were voting, I would literally split my vote. I think it should be a tie for the Cy Youngs. If you look at the numbers for Justin Verlander and Garrett Cole, and I was talking this today with, with Casey Stewart on the radio, they're virtually inseparable. If you look at all the stat lines, One's got a slight advantage here. One's got a slight advantage here. One's got a slight advantage here. One's got a slight... And both stat lines are remarkable. So I went to the tiebreaker. And to me, the tiebreaker, which I discussed with my office, was let's go to the wives. And I know this is not sexist. You know, well, look at Justin Verlander's wife. My God. Kate Upton is stunning. She's gorgeous. She's an SI cover girl. She is every guy's dream. Got to win it, right? Well, lo and behold, let's take a look at Mrs. Let's take a look at Garrett Cole's wife. Oh, by the way, he's married to Brandon Crawford, his team at UCLA's sister. She's gorgeous. She was on the softball team at UCLA. She's beautiful. This is, anywhere you look at this, it's a push. Same team, virtual same stats, gorgeous wives, time for the Cy Young in the American League, Justin Verlander and Garrett Cole. And your American League pennant winners and seeking their second World Series championship in three years, in my mind, as to be the Houston Astros. And we'll have the wives present the trophies to Garrett Cole and Justin Verlander on the field. Easy, easy, easy on the eyes as we go to the National League. Yes, let's as we go to hear the about show. your Cardinals.
Well, we go to the senior circuit with everybody's favorite, the Dodgers, who clinched the division sometime in May, I think, because of their incredible start and the rest of the division's amazing mediocrity slash abysmal performance. I mean, the teams that they thought would compete, you know, the Rockies, off the Padres, got off to a good start, fell off the face of the earth. And Arizona, terrible start, came back, got the wild card hunt, and then down the stretch came in in a huge series, red hot to New York, and got absolutely lambasted by the Mets, which ended their season, basically. And the embarrassment of the San Francisco Giants, bye-bye Puspochi, and they ended it on pretty much the note that the season should end on. They went on a run and you know, mistakenly did not clean house. And as a result, after they came back to earth, they fell off the face of the earth and they finished their season with a 9-0 loss at the hands of the Dodgers on Bruce Bochy's last game and in all possibility, Madison Baumgartner's last game as a giant. So we have the Dodgers, my Cardinals take on the Braves, and I think the Cardinals give them a run for their money. They've got the best pitcher in the league in Jack Flaherty. Dakota Hudson will go in game one. I think they have the better starting pitch. The Braves clearly have the better lineup. For the Cardinals, it's a very simple equation. It's old school. It's pitching, starting pitching, defense, base running, and a sound bullpen because they are not going to score 10 runs a game. On paper, I would lean towards the Dodgers although I will be rooting against them at every possible turn and just rooting for excitement in the NL throughout the playoffs, but specifically rooting against the Dodgers, more so because Dave Roberts could look at the potential National League MVP who hit over 300 with 47 home runs and sit his ass because a left-hander's out there on the mound in the World Series. You because don't deserve to win a game like that's that. That's what our analytics tell us. You don't deserve to win a game like that, you bum. Stinks, Dave Roberts, rooting against the Dodgers. Rich Hill, you're coming out. You're coming out after four innings, so you're throwing a one hitter. Stinks, analytics. I test. Take one, please. Somebody. Yeah, we'll do it again next week. Go Yankees. Go Cardinals, folks. For my great partner John Tiny One, I am Al Renato, aka Al from White Plains. Enjoy the opening of the MLB playoffs and have a great sports week. We'll be back next Monday night, 8 p.m. Eastern time here on Sports Radio America. You can listen at sportsradioamerica.com and interact with the show there as well or find us on the TuneIn app by searching for Sports Radio America. You can also follow John Lund under the same handle on Twitter at London Bridge. Thanks again for listening.